0: Hello and welcome back to the next episode of the Forgotten Football Clubs podcast. I'm your host for this evening, Rory Bryce, and I'm joined, someone different this evening, no Phil tonight, but I'm joined instead by one of our bloggers and our very close friend, all the way from Costa del Grimsby, Chris Kelly. Chris, how are you, mate? Yeah, all good. All good. Cheers, mate. Good. I'm glad to hear that, man. Um, very excited to finally have you on for an episode. I know it's, it's been tough trying to uh, get our schedules to align so that we can we can get you on for a chat, but... Basically, for our listeners, if you haven't guessed already, tonight we're going to be doing similar to the episodes we've done with Dave Proudluff and uh, Vincent Deutsch. We're just going to be talking all about Chris Kelly, all the things that he loves, the the football teams that he follows, uh, the different things that he'd done before uh, he started blogging with with Forgotten Football Clubs, uh, and that he still does as well, just going through everything about him. So you guys get a wee introduction to him, uh, and I get to hear more about him as well, because obviously. Up until now, we've only really spoken on our WhatsApp group, which which is great, and there's a lot of power in that and stuff. It's really really good fun. Um, but this will be the first time we've actually had the chance to sit down and and kind of go through the the nitty gritty, as it were. So really looking forward to it, man. But how have things been with you anyway?
1: Yeah, yeah, all good up and down, regulars with life. Uh, yeah, not bad at all.
0: Yeah, good. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Every every day can be a struggle sometimes, but then you get the ups and it just brings you right back up to it. Um, does uh, football contribute much to those downs? I know it does for me quite a lot of the time.
1: It, it probably has more of an effect on my mood than it should for <laughs> a fully grown man, if I'm being honest. Um, uh, when when Grimsby Town, uh, or, or Grimsby Borough, when they have a good weekend, it it does give you the buzz when the struggling it does make you feel a little bit a little bit more miserable than perhaps it should so yeah it, it does have an effect on your mood yeah
0: yeah absolutely uh, i suppose that's probably a pretty good place to start off then i guess chris uh, obviously as i mentioned to the listeners when we came on there you're from grimsby uh absolutely fantastic town i think i've been once or twice had family that lived down that way um are you born and bred in grimsby have you always lived there
1: i have i mean I was born in Greenfield, I I initially lived in a village just outside, but but more or less,
0: yeah, uh,
1: spent my whole life within or around the town. Um, It's a town that I think gets a bad name nationally, it doesn't quite get the, not necessarily respect, that's not the right word, but it isn't quite what people think it is. Uh, There's a lot of northern towns that are similar, uh, a little bit run down, perhaps economically, and in industrially, um, well, and it's a great place and the people are great, um, by and large, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought just enjoy living here to be honest.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a really fair point to be fair, and um, you know we always get articles up here, and it's it's always rags like the Daily Record and and whoever else that other paper that I'm not going to mention. And they always have a, a top ten list of the worst places to live in the UK, and Grimsby is a Grimsby's a staple town on that. But there's also a town near where I'm from called Wishaw, which is a staple town on it as well. Don't get me wrong, Wishaw is not great, but the majority of my friends are from Wishaw, and they're great people. Um, and it's certainly not the worst place I've been either. So I don't know where they pull these these statistics from, but like you said, Wishaw like Grimsby, I can imagine, even though it might look a bit rough around the edges. It's a great place at the heart of it. And it was, by and large, mostly full of great people. Um, so I'm really glad you put that in there because I agree with you. I also think it gets a bit of a bad rep sometimes, um, especially in the national papers. It's, it's almost like it's it's, it's like the, the, the kicking boy of the north of England. You know, they, they they had to pick the one northern town and they had to just hone in on Grimsby.
1: It's an easy target. The name don't help when you've got Grim in the star of the name. We, we've always <laughs> got that. Headlines uh, with the football team, with the town in general. When you've got Grimm in the name to start off, you kind of on, uh, on to a loser straight away, really. But uh, yeah, people who have been around the town uh, and have visited and have spent time in the right places, I think they appreciate it. it's, it's It's not a bad place
0: at all. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm assuming then. Being from Grimsby or just outside of Grimsby and uh, being brought up there and enjoying living there, I'm, I'm guessing that you would have grown up a Grimsby Town fan and been a Grimsby Town fan for your entire life, more or less.
1: Yeah, my, my old man um, first took me in 1988. I was six and I was hooked straight away. Uh, and mm. yeah, so since then, what we're looking at now, 12, uh, yeah. Best part of sort of thirty-five years now, really. Um, some great highs, an awful lot of lows. Um, but I won't have it any other way. Um, I think when you're when you're from the sort of yeah the town of the club you support, and not necessarily uh, a successful team in terms of constant success, when you have so many ups and downs, you kind of get that emotional attachment, which. Uh, yeah, just won't have it any other way. Um, there's plenty, plenty of times when you you kind of look enviously at other clubs, and there's, but there's also times when you fully appreciate why you support your hometown club.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, man. Um, obviously, I, I don't support a local team. I, I support Celtic and... and you know, people call me a glory hunter and I'll never know what it feels like to support a small team and I'll never know true enjoyment in football. It's a lot of nonsense anyway. But there is that element of it and there is that other side too. If, if you support a club that's, um, that's a little bit smaller than, than some of the bigger teams, then you are going to experience highs and lows in a different way. You're, you're experiencing football in a different way. And, and in a lot of ways, it's a lot more emotional. Um, You're going through so many different things. There's mismanagement at all levels as well to be in the negative. But then when you pull off a big result, um, or, you know, when you get promoted and you weren't expected to, if you punch a bit above your weight, I can imagine it, it must be absolutely exceptional.
1: Yes, Grimmsby has actually got, for, for the town of its size, uh, obviously it's attached to Cleethorpes, so more or less two towns in one, uh, obviously two different names, but they are more or less one town, one big town. Uh. Yeah, I've got a very big fan base, very passionate fan base, but you can feel the buzz around the town when the club is doing well. You you can feel it. You can you, it, The club matters to, to the people here. It, it, it's uh, hold it very dear. Um, and obviously, the flip side of that is when things are going badly, you, you can feel that as well. Um, so the town and the football club are, are very close together, very close-knit, uh, and it affects the daily life of people here in general with with how the club are doing uh, in the main.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, again, I, I completely agree with you. You're absolutely spot on. I know a lot of people who follow other teams in Scotland, I, I don't like using the term smaller because no no club is, is small to the people who support them. Obviously, compared with, you know, I mean, even in Scotland, Celtic compared with Man City are small, but no club is small at the heart of it. Um, is is always something that I try and push but people who support other teams in Scotland they, they say the exact same things uh, Motherwell is probably the closest town to me well Hamilton would be but I, I don't really like Hamilton that much Um, Motherwell would uh, would probably be my local team if you're talking um SPFL and uh, when the team are doing great there's a real buzz about the town Motherwell are a real community club as well Um, and I think that that makes it feel you know people feel that a lot more when the club are doing well and, and they've been on a pretty good streak recently uh, the wheels have started to come off a little bit as as some problems have opened up but um, they've been doing pretty well and, and people have been responding to that and it's it's just one of the the really cool things about supporting a football team that's a bit smaller and, and a lot closer to the community as well Um, the players, you'll, you'll bump into them a lot more frequently, they're, they're more receptive to coming and speak to you and stuff like that, yeah I mean it, it must just be amazing but of course there's another team that you hold quite dear to yourself as well also from Grimsby, they play a a little bit lower down the divisions, am I right? Uh, Grimsby Borough.
1: They do, yeah. They they're in the the Northern Counties uh, Premier League East, which is a few steps down in non-league. They they've had a bit of a steep rise, really. Uh, when I started following them a few years back, they were, I think, at least two or three steps below, and they've they've, they've had two or three promotions in the space of sort of a couple of years, and they're now competing wow. at a at a higher level than. Well, Should we say the punching above the weight? I would say, uh, but they uh, a lot of them are actually a group of local lads who have been in and around the, the Grimsby town set up as youngsters, and then maybe haven't made it and and stayed local, working and you know around the town, but play play for the borough as well on a on a Saturday, yeah. And it's uh, again, it's on a far smaller scale, Um but you feel that connection if you get what I mean. Um, Absolutely, because the the players by large are local lads that you've, you've sort of heard of and known of before um, before the sign for Borough. And, uh, and they, they seem like a really good, close-knit group of lads that basically just want to try the best for a club that are, that, that are punching above the weight, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean, at that level, it's very much playing for the badge, isn't it? And I think that's what's special about it. It's, it's not money-motivated. Um, yeah, obviously you're you're playing and, and you're still playing within the league system, and and the objective ultimately is to work your way up. But like you said, the, the, it's a lot more close um to home. It's a lot more intimate experience for the fans. It's 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 a, it's, it's a completely different type of football, and, and in a lot of ways, in my opinion, it's better. Um, again, just from I've I've not been to many Stirling Albion games. I started following them about nine years ago now, and that's when I was staying in Stirling for university. Didn't really go to many games. We just followed the results. But again, you could feel the buzz around town when they were doing well. Um, and, and it was just a lot closer to home. That My local team, I suppose, are Lanark United. Um, and, you know, Grimsby, but I could give them a run for the money. They're, they're, they're not the best, let's say. Um, but they're trying their hardest in, in Scottish junior level, especially at tier nine, technically tier nine. You know, it's it's you're, you're going to be quite far down. But still, they're playing for the badge. Um, there's only a couple of hundred people there every week, but they, they all know the boys are all from the town or local areas and, and they all work alongside each other and things like that. It's, it's it's a completely different feeling. um, And it's something that's a lot better. So obviously you've been a football fan for a long time. One thing I did want to ask you and, and it's, uh, I promise you it's, it's not coming from me. It's just something that a lot of people in smaller clubs get asked. Who's your big team?
1: Yeah. Uh... I don't have a big team.
0: Yes, that's Uh, the answer I was looking for. Excellent.
1: uh, I'm quite happy to watch any football, any team, any level. Uh, But uh, I could never support a team I didn't feel the connection to. Uh, And uh, that's not to say that's wrong. It's just me personally. I, uh, I couldn't support a team that I could only watch on the telly. If you get what I mean, I have to kind of feel of like course. I could get down to the ground uh, and 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 be part of it. Uh, everybody's different. Everybody, you know, some people are quite happy, you know, supporting the the bigger clubs and and uh, and that's fine. Everybody's different. Um, I, I I need to feel a bit of a connection to who I'm supporting in terms of being able to get regularly to the games. Um, and 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 yeah, the affordability of it all obviously means there's no way I'll be able to afford, so we say a Premier League team or anything like that. So uh, and to be honest with you, I've never really wanted to. Uh, it's not really something that's ever I've never looked at the top flight and thought. Oh, you know, I need. I've got I've got a liking for them. I've got I enjoy watching the teams play, but in terms of support, you no, know, um, I've never had a big team, and I don't think I I don't think I ever will.
0: To be honest, yeah. No, that that's a brilliant answer, mate, and and it's what it's the answer that I wanted to hear, as I said, and, and that a lot of people that are listening will will have wanted to have heard as well. Um, you know, it's it's not all about the the big teams, as you said. The affordability aspect of it's something that's huge, particularly right now, and and you know, they say we're coming out of a cost of living crisis, still right in the midst of it. Loads of people are struggling. Having that connectivity, at your local club, and that local club being accessible is so so important at the moment. Um. And again, it just makes for a better day out, and it's something that's really good. So, obviously, you know if you've been following those teams for quite a while, you, you, I can imagine you have seen some some absolutely amazing times and probably some bad ones as well. But why don't you talk us through some of your experiences? Maybe your your favourite one being a a Grimsby Town and a Grimsby Borough supporter.
1: In terms of Grimsby Town, I think Oldham and Notts County um, are the two teams in English football that have been promoted and relegated the most times. Out of everybody, so wow. you do get you do get extreme high sometimes. I mean, when I first started going, I was lucky. When I first started going in 1988, just after that uh, was our most successful time in 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 many a year. Really. Alan Buckley was in charge. We had a double promotion, so we went from what is now League Two, Division Four then, up to what is the Championship uh, in the space of two years. Mm. Uh, we were playing, you know, you, the Wolves, yeah. Sheffield United, Blackburns, Rotting uh, Forest, week in, week out, the away days at the stadiums, at the city ground, and uh, again, punching miles above our weight, um, but it was totally enjoyable. Uh, we, we hung around for a long time. We, uh, uh, we we stuck it out. We had a few relegations, well, many relegation scares, to be honest. We were never <laughs> really up towards the top end of that league uh, mm. come the end of the season, but it it was a great time to be a town fan to go away to these big ground, these big clubs uh, and to be competing with them on a weekly basis was, was fantastic. On the flip side of that, we had, we've had sort of double delegations. We've been out and on league twice, uh, which when obviously you've seen your team in the championship in the second tier a lot to, to fall that far that quick, it, 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 it was difficult. Um, Mm. It took us a while to come back. We got we took six years, the first time to come out of non-league. And then, shall we say, Ian Holloway um, uh, and previous owner John Fenty, shall we say, to be polite, made a mess of things. And we ended up back there again, very briefly, uh, for one mm. season. We, we had that amazing playoff one uh, where we, we beat Notts County, Wrexham uh, uh, 5-4, and then uh, nice. sorry, Hull in the final, with, all with goals deep into extra time to win um, each game and now we're back in the Football League we're, we're, obviously we got to the FA Cup quarter-finals last year which again is another I never thought I'd see <laughs> the FA Cup quarter-finals being honest um, yeah, yeah. and we beat and to do it beating I mean every round we beat a team from higher leagues uh, we beat some league one side we beat Luton 3-0 in a replay we drew through a kettle Road and then Beat them three 0 here in the replay. Beat Southampton, um, uh, obviously a Championship side now, but when they were in the Premier League, and then we got outclassed by Brighton in the quarterfinals, which is which is no shame really. Uh, no, but no, yeah, not at all. So um, yeah. this season's been a bit of a tough one so far. If I'm being honest. Um, I think the players we put together, because of the cup one, we had a little bit more of a budget. So, of course, when the budget goes up a bit, the expectation goes up a bit when you bring it in, perhaps slightly better quality players. And at times we've showed that, and at times we still look like we're still sort of a a group of strangers, if you know what I mean, at the minute. There's a lot of new lads there, and it's taking time. So we're treading water a little bit, but I'm confident come the end of the season we'll be, not necessarily, I'm not saying we're going to be in the play. League 2, this League 2 is the strongest I've ever seen it, Um, the money floating about and the quality of players. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure we'll be okay come the end of the season uh, and hopefully I know the owners the new owners the, I say new owners they've been there a couple of years now but um, their aim is to get us back up through the leagues eventually but it it has to be done sustainably we can't compete with Wrexham um, no. Stockport County financially we can't go out and sign the players they do so we have to do it in our own way uh, and it might take a little bit longer but I'm confident we'll get there
0: yeah, absolutely. It sounds like it's quite a cautiously exciting time to be a Grimsby Town fan, at the very least. Um, obviously, you mentioned new owners, loads of new lads bedding in. That kind of stuff can take time, and, and obviously there's going to be loads of downs within that. But if they do it right, as you said, and the management's done properly, um, then it can lead to something that's really great. And if you end up you know, rising up the leagues and things like that, then it's something that's even more beautiful. So I take it you probably wouldn't want to be a team like Wrexham who get bankrolled. And who become fairy tale clubs? I say that in your quotes. Obviously, our listeners can't see that, but
1: I, um, I've got a lot of time for the Wrexham fans because me too. I know they've been through some very tough times. Yeah, um, and and they deserve deserve the success, they deserve the the change of fortunes, uh, and and what's coming their way. What irritates a little bit, mostly, two fans is. It's almost like the rest of us don't exist when it comes to media. Um, Correct. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you see what I mean? And um, uh, that is frustrating, but that's not necessarily Wrexham's fault. That uh, that's just a, a byproduct of media nowadays uh, and how it works. Um, our owners, uh, our new, I say new owners, uh, Jason Stockwood, Andrew Pettit, they came in, took over from John Fenty, and really rescued the club. To be honest, but that's another story for another day. It's a long story. Um, <laughs> They do things very differently. They're very calm. Uh, You know, we might have bad spells. We might have good spells. They're very level-headed. They'll spend and they'll put money into the club regularly and and in all areas to constantly improve. But it has to, like I say, it has to be done sustainably. And for me, that's the right way to do it. It has to be done across the board. You have to sort of improve your training ground at the same time as improving your playing squad. uh, It's no good doing one and the other. So that's what we're doing, uh, and again, it, it does require a lot of patience. But I'm,
0: I'm quite, I'm more than happy with where we're at at the moment. Hmm. That's the main thing is as long as you're happy with it and, and things are kind of looking positive in the horizon. And um, as they say, things can only go up. Touchwood. Um, obviously, being a, a town fan all your life and, and even a borough fan as well, I can imagine you've been to some amazing away days. Uh, do you go to away days often? Is, is is that something you tend to do when you can?
1: Uh, when I can, I, I'll say I used to go before, you know, you, you had the kids and, and, and whatnot. It's a lot easier to, <laughs> one, afford it and two, have the time to do it. Um, so I go when I can. I've used to, do, i I've, I've done plenty of away days in the past. Like I said, we were in the championship at Hillsborough, at, at Bramall Lane, at the City, city Ground. Um, the list is endless, really. I, I've watched countless games at Turf Moor. We used to seem to play Burnley every five minutes back in the, in the day. <laughs> Um, obviously, both clubs are at different ends of the spectrum now, but we seem to seem to bump into them at every turn uh, for a while. Mm. Um, obviously, the cup games—I've done Anfield a couple of times. We we lost nice. once, Michael Owen, and the second time we won um, with a hundred twentieth minute winner, which was a, an incredible night, to be honest.
0: Yeah, that's. Beautiful. Um,
1: yeah, I didn't get a chance to get to Southampton. I Unfortunately, I had to watch it on the telly. I know those that went said I was uh, up there with the Anfield night in terms of just very special early. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, plenty of away days, at, uh, plenty of big stadiums in the past. Uh, they're a little bit few and far between at the moment for me, um, but I will be getting some more once when the opportunity arises, when when the kids are a, bit, a little bit older and um, it's easier for me to do so.
0: Yeah, do you take your kids to any football games, Chris? Have, have they been indoctrinated, as they like to say, into the the ways of Grimsby? Uh,
1: um, my kids, when it comes to football, are the exact opposite of me. Right. They literally can't stand it. <laughs> they're, they're, they're no interest whatsoever in even watching it for a millisecond. Oh no. Um, so no, no. I, I I'm hopeful. I mean, my lads, are, my youngest lads, only eight, and there's still time for him to. Uh, hopefully change his mind and change his uh, ways. But at the minute, uh, no, no, um, they haven't been to a, a game and I'm not sure when we'll get the opportunity, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Hopefully soon. Hopefully they, they have a change of heart and, and they decide to, to take you up on it. Cause that would be something that, that would be quite special as well. So fingers crossed. So obviously as our listeners have thought from our blog posts and particularly the ones that you've written, Chris, you're very knowledgeable about the game in, in other respects as well uh, football history football in other countries kits, stadiums but we we'll, we'll start off with an easy one what was it that attracts you to to blogging in particular
1: yeah yeah like I, I enjoyed all aspects of the game so not necessarily just sort of the tactical and the the, the players and uh, and that kind of thing I enjoy just like the social aspect of the game and how it fits with the clubs and how how a social Demographic can fit a certain club, and vice versa, how a, a club can fit in with the with the, the the demographic of the area. I enjoy. I really enjoy the historical aspects of the game. The finding out the sort of the roots of the origins of clubs, of cups, of of tournaments, of players. Uh, I, I enjoy niche topics, topics that others might not. Uh, they're not popular. They're not going to be on Sky Sports News or anything like that. Um, but I enjoy getting stuck into stuff that uh, sort of interests me um, where I can learn as well as writing for other people where I can learn at the same time about these topics.
0: uh, It's just what I enjoy doing really. Yeah. I think the social demographic one's really interesting, obviously it's, and when you come back to talk about the, the kind of roots of football clubs and the identity of clubs, because so many football clubs were founded either by, uh, you know, migrant diasporas, people that were in in different works, uh, different industries, mining, um, factory workers. Uh, a lot of it is, is based on working class life, and and that in itself is an area of history and a massive area of study because the social aspects of of working class people are, are entirely different to, to those from from other demographics. Um, they're a lot more close and a lot more emotional. That is, my opinion, just a lot better. Um. And, you know, we we can tie this to the roots of the game as well. Is there any particular reason why the the social side of things uh, interests you as much as it does?
1: Uh, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, (laughs) as I say, some people might see it as a bit geeky. Um, I just enjoy seeing how things connect um, in general. But football's my thing, so uh, that's how I do it. I I enjoy finding how things connect, um, how things... We say originate how they come about, how they and when footballs your thing, it kind of combines the two. Um, I, I quite like historical historical topics anyway, so um, it's just something that's interested me. And when you combine football with that it, and blogging, it's the perfect chance to to write some of these stories that perhaps, like I say, might not get seen or told too often. Um, but I think when when people read them and, uh, and uh, and understand them. They, they they quite enjoy it. So mm.
0: yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, the, the the articles you've already put out. You've had the, the caribous of Colorado. That's a favourite of mine. Um, with their 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 football kits that are obviously, you know, looking back on it. You can say product of the time if you're like, absolutely ridiculous in, in the grand scheme of things, but they're, they're very much a sought-after collector's item now because of how they looked and the and because you wouldn't really get a football top these days with with fringes on it uh, and things like that. And and I think, as a, as I said in a tweet the other day when I when I was talking about that article, can you imagine playing that and it's like torrential rain, like biblical rain, and it gets soaked through? It would be horrible.
1: Yeah, I mean... In a way, in, in in slightly the opposite way, that's why the kit wasn't popular with the players, is the fact that in the, in the warm temperatures there, it soaked up sweat, which made it yeah. very heavy for them to play in, um, and the players didn't really enjoy playing in it. The fabric that they used uh, made playing in that, in them conditions, very difficult for them. Of course, the fringe initially was going to be very long, uh, and it started out that way, and then... As you can imagine, players started pulling on it like shirt pulling, and and using the fringe as a as a, a way to hold players back and gain an advantage. So, yeah, it was short, and 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 to be honest with you, it was a short lived kit, but the uniqueness of it um, has made it a collector's item ever since, and you can see why it, the, there's nothing else like that. So, it, uniqueness always sells. So
0: that, that's where that's why it's why it's popular still. Absolutely, I love this idea. To, like players using the fringes to pull players back and stuff. It's, it's such dirty tactics. But it's one of those really unique things about this club that just adds to the story and, and about their kit. And, you know, obviously they, they didn't last very long. They only lasted a season before um, American capitalism took over and, and rebranded them. But, um, you know, it's, it's such a fascinating story. The other one that you've done recently as well was on, on Borough United Football Club, the Welsh team, the very first Welsh team to play in European football as well. And I, w- I was really surprised by how little people actually knew about this team because y- when you think to to different uh, nations and different associations, I feel like a lot of people, if you're into football history at the very least, and, and sometimes if you're just into football in general, will always know the first club from, say, Scotland or England or or, or Ireland or um, France, Spain, et cetera, to play in European football. But a lot of people didn't actually know about this. That was a really, really fascinating article as well.
1: Yeah, it, it was one I enjoyed sort of putting together, uh, looking into. I, I think we get, like I said, with Sky Sports News, with the the, the national radio station, sports wise, we get sort of saturated with the same kind of stuff constantly. Um, mm. And and it almost becomes a bit mundane. Yep. Uh, but people also, at the same time, they don't like change, so they, they kind of stick with it. Whereas, and then if you write about something like Bove United, it peaks in. Interest. It, it, it's new, which unusual. Well, not many people have, shall we say, uh, heard of them, heard of their story. But once they do, uh, yeah, they find it quite charming in a way. It's a charming story. It's a, it's a story of a game, the game of a previous era, uh, long gone now, and it won't come back. That particular kind of era, shall we say. But yeah. uh, at the same time, yeah, people like an underdog story. Uh, they like. Um, like a local side uh, competing against punching above their weight uh, and that's what Bobby United were
0: mm. yeah absolutely it's, it's a great story and as you said a great underdog story as well and people do like to read about that stuff it's it's not just it's, it's a couple of things so it's it's learning about the history of, of their their football association or, or the country that, that they've watched the football in it's people learning about these teams that, that are necessarily not around anymore but were really big players and um, you know, like Clydesdale in Scotland, for instance, who founded the SFA and a, a bunch of other teams who did as well. But it's about the fact that they're not just famous because they existed and they were one of the first. They're famous because they actually done something that was really impressive and, and, and really interesting as well. And, and it was a really, really great story hearing about that. But also, as is the nature of Welsh football, a lot of the time they're a local side as well. And the people connect with that a lot more because it's a team they can probably trace the, the, the stadium and, and roots back to today. Probably a few people who are, well, not related to us or what I'm looking for, descended from the players as well that are, that are still cutting about, maybe have some memorabilia or something. So uh, it's a really brilliant story when you look at it in that respect as well.
1: Absolutely. That um, like goes back to sort of similar in a way to the me supporting sort of Grisby Town the ball and why wire It's that connection that that people feel and have, Um Local sites like that, they do tend to have that. The, the familiarity. The, the, I don't know how to word it to be honest. The, <laughs> the I know the what connection you mean it's... is the best, word, yeah. the best word to use the connection. Um, and yeah, the memorabilia. I think looking into this topic, I think there's still quite a lot of the memorabilia about, um, mm. to, only for collectors, you know, the, the collectors will know more than me. About that, um, but in general, in terms of stories like Bully United, when when you sort of dig your teeth into stuff like that, there is actually an awful lot of them kind of stories about, um, and I'm sure, obviously, hopefully, I'll write a few more for for you know the forgotten football clubs uh, for the blog and whatnot, and people can hear more about them because they're the ones I enjoy sort of putting together, and and there's plenty out there, um, so there'll be plenty more to come.
0: Good, I'm really glad to hear that. Obviously, you're, uh, by the time this episode's out, we'll probably have published it. It's, uh, the next blog post that you've done for us Um, one focusing on a Scottish club. Uh, it talks about Aberdeen and the founding of Aberdeen. And this kind of started from a conversation that we had about a trophy called the Rhodesia Cup, um, which Aberdeen played in. And it was a, a cup played between three teams, was it? Um, it's
1: played between the um, yeah, uh, it'll say in the article, um, it'll, it'll explain in better detail. But uh, it was played between the three original Aberdeen clubs, which were Orion FC, Victoria United, and Aberdeen FC, sort of in their previous guise, you so mm. say. Uh, and then that led to a merger, uh, uh, which what about the Aberdeen Football Club we see today? Uh, but the Rhodesia Cup, it, it was something I was hoping to put a story out about and I I may still do to a future, it's very difficult to find mm. information on it. Um it was obviously a very sort of niche obviously over one maybe too niche really, um <laughs> sort of topic. But um yeah, it was a it was a cut between the three Aberdeen sides, uh, obviously played in a round robin manner, I presume. Um and well, I don't think it was around for too long. Um I think um, it was only about for a few years, really, the late 19th century.
0: Yeah, quite short-lived. I think that's what I said to you when I first found out about it. I think it was through, because I I was reading a couple of books about just the the history of Scottish football, and I think it popped up. Um, What I wanted to know was why it was only contested between the three original teams from Aberdeen and why it was called the Rhodesia Cup. That was my main question. Um whether there's links well there, there will hundred percent be links to, to colonialism and colonial Britain and, and things like that. But like you said, it's very, very niche and, and I struggle to find any information on it either. Um but still a, a really, really fascinating topic. And and once the article's published, I'm I'm really, really looking forward to digging into it. So any Aberdeen fans who are listening, you've seen some of our posts on Twitter earlier this week. Um jump in. You might find out something about your club that you that you haven't known before. Um, so please do give that a watch so yeah, obviously as, as you said, you, you wrote a couple of articles for us and, and the Aberdeen one's going to be really good, I'm really looking forward to that. You ran your own blog as well for quite some time um, when did you start doing that? Was it a while ago now? Have you, have you been doing it for, for years or was it something that just kind of came about recently?
1: It, it, I'll be honest it's something I kind of do sporadically I, before I worked with for Forgotten Football Club I've worked for On various kind of other things before, um, sort of Football Easter Mag. Uh, I've worked for Snap Media for a bit on Football League World and Mm. uh, rival sites. Uh, I've worked for 152 Football, various sites. So I've kind of added things I've done on there onto the blog and also done my own topics as and when I've got the time. It's not something that I do consistently, but it's something that's there for me to add bits to as and when I kind of find the time. Um, or if there's a topic I specifically want to talk about that perhaps doesn't fit with a site that I'm working for, it gives me the opportunity to just put it out there for people to read. Uh, yeah, it, 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 like I say, it, it's something that's there. It's not something I do constantly, but it's something I do occasionally.
0: Yeah, that's a that's quite a good thing though, and it's it's something that's it's something that's quite rare as well. I feel um, obviously in in this day and age, not to sound old or anything. <laughs> You know, you've got a lot of people who they, they put out some really good content, with, which is kind of the, the sad irony in it. But they're, they're doing it to reach the end goal, which is to either get money from it or, um, you know, to, to get loads of hits and clicks and, and follows from it, which don't get me wrong. That, that's totally fine. And, and to an extent, the stuff that we put out on the Twitter is, is so that more people see the blog and the podcast and what we're doing. But it's it's quite rare that that you get a blog like yours, Chris, and, and something that you do yourself where... You just kind of keep it in the background and when you want to add bits to it you can and in the long run i think that's something that a lot of people appreciate because even though it might not get updated all the time it's always going to be there and it's something that becomes a little bit timeless because the more you add to it when people check back randomly they'll see it and and it's it adds a little bit more to it if, if you understand me um and i think you know if, if you look really long term maybe when you stop doing it altogether, it will still be out there and people will still be finding it and it will be this like great little collection of stories uh, it's just a completely different pace of things and, and i think it shows that it's, it's just something that you do because you enjoy doing it
1: absolutely that that is it it's the enjoyment if i'm not enjoying my writing i tend to find the quality of my writing isn't necessarily as good as if i'm actually enjoying the subjects i'm writing about as you say we live in an, an age where it's all about clicks hits uh which is fine um I understand why, and um, I understand the reasoning behind it, the advertisements, etc. Uh, but when I worked for stat media, I was obviously that, that that was a paid role, uh, but it was actually the, the role I enjoyed the least. I found it it was all about solely about clicks rather than content, uh, and maybe I'm a bit of a sort of, should we say, footballing romantic, but I, I I'm more about the content than the clicks if yeah. uh, i have to enjoy a topic and I, I want other people to enjoy what i'm producing um, Absolutely. hopefully they do um but i, I tend to it goes hand in hand really if i'm enjoying writing it i tend to find more people enjoy reading it because it, it brings out the it's like anything you enjoy doing something you tend to do it better Um so yeah, that, yeah. The, the blog is all about enjoyment to me um ultimately at some point again i'd like to go into a paid role or or paid roles at some point but i've learned my lesson from that in the fact that it has to be it has to be right it can't just be any old role yeah it it pays shall we say a little bit but but if i'm not enjoying it if i'm not i I struggle with it
0: yeah it, it has
1: to be right it's something i want to go into again like i say when the opportunity arises but It'll be something I'll, I'll rush into. I'll pick and choose rather than uh, dive straight into the first one that becomes available again. Should we say.
0: Yeah, you're totally right. Though it's 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 that synthesis that comes with enjoying what you do. Because if if you're enjoying what you're writing about and what you're researching. You're going to be writing about it a, a lot more enthusiastically, obviously for a start. But you're just going to be feeling it a lot more, and you're going to be enjoying it a lot more. And therefore, the people reading it will be enjoying it a lot more because you're enjoying it, and it's it just comes hand in hand. um In terms of paid work, obviously, a, a lot of the paid roles within football at the moment, the majority of them are for. um I don't, I don't want to say clickbait companies, but it's 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 companies who are looking for quick articles for, for to be uploaded, so again to get engagements on their website. Um and yeah, that's well and good. It's still football content, but at the end of the day, if you don't enjoy that, you're tied to it, and and there's not a lot you can do to to try and get out of it. Well, I mean, you you can always just say, you know, fuck this on out, <laughs> and that's fine as well. But you know, it's a privilege being able to do that, and some people might not be able to afford to do that as well. So that's where it becomes quite difficult. I think.
1: Yeah, it, it, I made the difficult decision to. With with Snap Media, um, like you say, it was all about speed of content, speed of delivery, rather yep. than quality of content and quality of delivery. Uh, and I'm, that it's completely the opposite to my personality and how I work and how I want to work. Um, so, yeah, I, I made a difficult – it was a difficult decision, purely because I wasn't keeping up, shall we say, with the pace that others well, were – but at the same time, I don't mean to be rude. I'm not so necessarily sure the quality of the articles were there either. Um, I made the decision to to because I wasn't enjoying it. It was actually affecting my health in a bad way. And when your writing's affecting your health in a bad way, it's yeah. time to uh, yeah, it's time to sort of pack it in and and, and move on or, or look at a different angle, shall we say? So yeah, it yeah. has to be right for me now. I, I, I've, I've been writing for five, six years now. I've kind of learned lessons as you go along. I think you do. You, you learn not to dive into certain things. You learn what's best for you, What's what you're going to enjoy doing, what you're going to get the most out of. And at the same time, there will come a time again. At the minute, everything's okay. There will come a time when I need to look for the, the paid roles. But as I've said, I, it's not something I'll dive into because I'll end up back in the same position again.
0: Yeah yeah exactly and as you said that's the difficulty but and then why spoil something for yourself that you enjoy doing even though it's not paid obviously if if we could all do these kind of things paid it would be brilliant that's in an ideal world it would be amazing because you'd you'd be enjoying what you're doing but there's no point in in jumping into it if uh, you know that it's only going to go one way because it'll end up spoiling the the kind of writing that you do in your free time as well and, and you won't want to do it as much and I know Bill obviously started Forgotten Clubs in, in 2019. Um, and there's been a number of other football bloggers as well who've, who've kind of went on to do the same thing. Um, Chris, who runs Outside Right, another particularly good one. Um, some of others have branched off into magazines, uh, These Football Times, Terrace Edition, etc. There's loads of them and, and, and the content's all fantastic. Uh, a lot of them seem to have went one way in particular. and I'll ask you the question, um, Chris, to see what your thoughts are on it. Have you ever considered writing a book before?
1: Yes. Um nice.
0: uh,
1: it's gonna be uh, say it's going to be. The plan is for it to be a very specific at the minute. The first one will be a Grimsby Town related book about I don't know if you've heard of him, Ivano Bonetti, who yes. went for Grimsby in the nineties. Um, an absolute icon down here. But obviously a lot yeah. happened shall we say with a and um, we say a plate of chicken wings and, and different stories. <laughs> um, to, to, have, to have a player that played for Juventus, Sampdoria, uh, and in, in European finals, turn out for because he's still in, you know, a good age, and and actually he actually paid half of his own transfer fee to come and play for Town. Um, it was it was like almost like one of those sort of footballing love stories. Uh, It'll always be an icon down here. I know the story, good stories and bad stories, and that's part of why the book would, I think, hopefully, be, uh, be a good one. And it is something I've I've been planning. I've, I've got a bit of help from a couple of other people. It is something I will do uh, at some point. But, again, it's one where the timing has to be right. Um, again, maybe when the kids are a little bit older and I've got far more time to – far more relaxed time, shall we say, to, to put together something that – um, that considerable, should we say, in in size. So yeah, it's something I'm thinking of. It, 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 I'm pretty confident it's something I'll do. Um, I'm not going to put a time particular time scale on that just yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good that you've it's good that you've got the ambition to go and do it though. Uh, just because, as I said, a lot of bloggers often end up writing books and and going into writing themselves because it, it comes naturally to a lot of people. And, and with blogging, because you're doing so much research and so much writing and reading and meeting so many new people. As a kind of byproduct of it, anyway, if you like, you've already got that network and knowledge base built there, so uh, I think it would be excellent. Now, obviously, you mentioned Ivan Benetti there. The, the reason the the name rang a bell to me was because he actually played for Dundee um, for a couple of years as well. didn't Didn't play much. I think he was kind of coming to his twilight years by that point. But it was in this really strange era where Scottish football was had had kinda had this massive money injection in. Um and a lot of it ended up coming from Satanta money. It would be the death of a lot of clubs. Dundee were one of those clubs. Yeah. Uh, they ended up signing a lot of Italian people and, and, and players and stuff and none of them very many good. Um and it was just an absolutely wild time. Can you imagine moving from like Sicily or something to Dundee? It must be the biggest culture shock in yeah. life.
1: Yeah, wasn't it uh Canuccia join as well. Claudio yeah, Canucia yeah. the Argentine yeah, yeah, I remember <laughs> some of that stuff from back there. I remember Ivano being there. Ivano was at, he was at Town, he was at Tranmere. I know he was at Dundee. He, he did a bit of a tour around to um, some of the clubs of the UK. Yeah, it, I'm sure, like I say, his, his story will make an interesting topic, um, absolutely, and one that I'm up to to get stuck into at some point.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we 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 kind of bounce off ideas and the WhatsApp group and, and stuff like that. And I haven't contributed any articles myself just because writing isn't isn't massively my thing. And um, maybe you do the odd one here or there now that I've got a little more time in my hands, um, just because of working situations changing and other things like that. Um, but the articles that you guys put out are absolutely fantastic, and and, and they're really really good insights as well. I, I think that's the main thing. Is that it's not just like a couple of paragraphs and then a string of photos and then adverts. It's all really in-depthly researched. It's all got, you know, nuances and opinions. It's it's just good. The, the context that makes it really, really good content. And I think it really shows when, when the articles are published.
1: Yeah. Again, that's another thing. It wouldn't sit right with me if I was to put out a, a story, an article that was a bit half-hearted. It didn't necessarily tell the whole story. Yeah, um, I like to do the in-depth stuff. I like to get the details out there. The details are kind of what makes the story. Um, at the same time, you don't want to make your, your, your pieces too long, um, mm-hmm. but it's important to get a full picture out there. That that that's something I'm always sort of keen on. In is the depth of putting there, of the research, the depth of making sure I've covered everything, making sure there's nothing that people can say. You know, people might read it and say, oh, he's missed that out, or he's missed that out. I'm sure there will be things, you know, we miss out in uh, in generally. It, that's just by the by. But I like to make every effort I can to cover the story from all angles. Uh, and then, again, people get the, the full picture then.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um As you said, it's about, the, it's about the different things that you put into it. It's about the unique things that you put into it and it's about the the ways that you kind of make it your own as well. Um that makes it really important and, and the level of research that you've done as well. Um we're just about out of time now, Chris. This has been a really, really good good episode kind of going through everything um that you enjoy about football, what what makes you a fan, um just everything about yourself really, your your ambitions as an author. It's it's, it's been fantastic. One thing that we always ask our guests at the end of every episode, as you might know, it's it's always quite a good one. It always gets a few heads turning Who is your favourite Grimsby Town player of all time? It can be from any era. um, Any era that you've seen, at the very least. Um,
1: Paul Groves. Paul Groves? Because he was uh, the ultimate professional. Um, Okay. When you wanted somebody who would never, ever the lower 7 out of 10. No matter what the circus, no matter what the, how the team was playing, in what position he was playing, he could play in, in various roles. Uh, he was always, he could always be counted upon. Um, even in poor perform- general performances of the team, he was always consistent in his performances. He was always capable of of every aspect of the game. He, was, he started off as a central midfielder game, forward get goals, but he had everything. And then in his later years, he dropped back to play as a centre back. And uh, he was a great leader of men, and a great captain, uh, the kind of person who you'd want to, if you were playing, you want to play for. Um, yeah, yeah. He just a, a fantastic player in what was a really good era for the club. Yeah,
0: that's a fantastic answer. Um... Name, name rings a bit of a bell. I don't know a huge amount about him. Um, but I think you've done him a, a good bit of justice there by by describing him. He just sounds like an absolute character and the type of guy that you'd want um to have around any team, to be honest. So yeah, I mean, Chris, thank you very much for your time. Thanks very much for coming on. As I said, it's it's taken us a while to to, to get this over the line, but um well worth it. Um same as your articles, man. Everything you've been doing so far has been absolutely fantastic and we're we're really, really grateful to have you around um for all our listeners we hope you've enjoyed this episode uh we'll be catching up with more of our bloggers and other members of the team soon uh just so we can introduce them all and well it's not really introductions now it's, it's a bit late for that it's more right uh, get to those shall we um as opposed to introductions uh as usual if you can check us out on twitter instagram the instagram page is, is kind of wound down a little bit but we'll be bringing it back soon and um, twitter instagram blogspot where all of chris's articles and, and the rest of our bloggers posts are going up uh you can also check us out on youtube we've got some more video content coming up soon just lots of stuff coming out um over the next wee while so be sure to keep on top of that and make sure um you're seeing everything that we're putting out there um because once we hit the new year we'll have a lot more new stuff for you coming once we finish the original run uh, that we're doing in the book so please keep an eye out if you want to get in touch about anything, or want to get in touch with Chris to suggest an article idea or an idea for an episode, just throw us a message. We're more than happy to to talk to you guys and, and get back in touch with you when we can. But for now, Chris, say good night.
1: Yeah, night. Like, I've uh, fully appreciated it, enjoyed it.
0: That's glad to hear that, man. It's good night from me as well. We'll see you all again next week. Goodbye.